Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. On today's episode, we're going to explore a listener question. And the question has to do with longevity. And how do I plan from the standpoint that I very well may live a, a long time? I might live until my 80s or late 90s, but I might not. So how do I plan with this information? How do I ensure that I'm okay over time, but also don't work too long or forego some of the good years just to protect against what could possibly happen in the much later years? So it's an excellent question. We're going to explore it. Let's start by reading the question, and then we'll go through the details that you need to consider as you plan for this. So this question is from Sandra. Sandra says, first, I'm really enjoying your podcast. Of all the personal finance podcasts out there, you're the only one I listen to religiously, and I've never found myself pressing the plus 30 second button, wondering when the speaker will get to the point. Thank you, Sandra. That was a fun compliment to read. She goes on to say, I've got a couple questions that will be interesting to hear your answers on the podcast. I'll start with a quick background so you have some context. Background. I'm 47 and my husband is 54. We have two children, age 16 and 12. We both work full-time and have been fully funding our retirement accounts since our first paycheck. We are both engineers, so we each make a six-figure income and can live off of one salary if needed. We are 100% debt-free, including our house. We both have pension plans that we can start collecting at 60. We probably could retire today but have not fully funded our children's education yet, and the cost of health care with dependents is pretty high, about $2,000 per month. My 88-year-old mom also lives with us and is requiring more care. So that's the background, and here are the questions. Question number one. My husband and I each have a parent who died in their 50s and another that has extreme longevity. My husband's family has had people live into their mid to late 90s. What does one do for retirement estimates when the range of life expectancy is so broad? On the one hand, we don't want to work until the day we die, but on the other, is there potential for us with a lot of years ahead? What do we do in that case? Question two, on the 4% rule, it doesn't seem like that rule of thumb accounts for inflation over time. Can you confirm? If not, I worry about the validity of this calculation if you have 40 plus years of retirement ahead of you. All right. Well, thank you for that question, Sandra. And a lot of details, a lot of background information, which is very helpful so we can explore this. And at the end of the day, or the, the crux of it is how do we plan for longevity? How do we ensure that we can be okay later on without giving up the best years of our lives and maybe an early retirement when we have financial resources, we have time, we have energy to do what we want to do? So how do we plan for longevity? You can't predict it. What you can look at is the risks of both sides. What's the risk of longevity? Well, the risk of longevity is if you live until your 80s or 90s or beyond, what happens if you don't have enough money to do so? What if you spent through your portfolio or what if maybe you still have your portfolio, but it's just dwindled to the point that you cannot afford living expenses after inflation has gone up 250, 300, 350% or more potentially at that point. So how do we protect against that? But how do we also protect against the risk of dying early and really the financial risk, which is underspending and not really taking full advantage of everything that we have or working too many years when we really didn't have to. So these are both two very valid risks, the risk of longevity and the risk of not having longevity. The question is from a financial standpoint, knowing that none of us has any control over how long we live. And at any point we could go, how do we plan for that? 
Well, here's what it comes down to. Instead of thinking through longevity, instead of thinking through how long you might live and trying to predict that, which is important, I don't want you to start with that. It's important, and we're going to come back to that in a second, but do not start with that variable. Here is what you should start with. Start with your spending. And really, your spending is really going to be a reflection of your values and goals and the things that you want to do in retirement. So before worrying about, am I going to live until 90 or live until age 60, understand what is it that you need to do? What's the lifestyle that you want to be able to fund once you do step away from work? How do you do this? Well, you ask yourself the question, what does retirement look like? If the goal is to say, how do we not work until the day we die so that we can actually retire and enjoy what we have, what do you want to do in retirement? Is it travel? Are there hobbies that you have? Are there other activities that you want to pursue? Is there family support you want to engage in? Do you want a second home somewhere? Really understand what does the ideal outcome look like and start with that. Once you have that, the goal is to build a plan that says, when will you be in a position to step away from work and be able to maintain that level of income or be able to maintain those expenses that you'll have when you're done working? Now, you mentioned a great point, Sandra. You said if we retire today, we'd probably be okay, but healthcare is very expensive. It's about 2000 per month for us today. Well, that would be another expense that we simply have to factor in to the cost of retiring. That's not going to be an expense that you have forever. At some point, the children will grow, and at some point, the children will be off of the insurance. But for today, that's an expense that's absolutely there. So understanding what those expenses are is important because then you can craft a financial strategy. Say, okay, if we're going to retire... We have social security in the future. You mentioned you and your husband both have pensions. You have retirement accounts that you've been maxing out. I don't know exactly the values or other resources, but you can get to a point where you can understand, is our balance sheet, which is just the value of our investments, the value of our pensions, the the financial benefit of social security in the future, is that sufficient to be able to step away and retire? If the answer is yes, and if you could maintain your living expenses from the day that you retire until until the day you die, you're in a great position to not have to worry about longevity. You can meet your expenses today and you can meet your expenses in the future. Now, I know this is very broad and and there's a lot of work that goes into this and there's a financial plan and some projections. And you can refer to episode number 12, actually, where we talk about how do you know when you're in a position to retire? So refer back to episode number 12 for that podcast to, to calculate this, to kind of go through a rough calculation of how you know when you're in a position to retire. But in general, If you're there, you don't necessarily need to worry about longevity as much because one of the assumptions inside of that is that your portfolio is generating a safe income, a safe enough income amount that that can pay you today. It can pay you in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and beyond if you're structuring it correctly. So a lot of the assumptions going into retirement planning when you're running projections isn't that you're only going to have a 5, 10, 15 year retirement. Most of them are done under the assumption that you will have a 25, 30 plus year retirement. So if you have the income in place between pension, social security, investment, the assumptions there, the output that you're going to get, assuming it's been done the correct way, is that you will have enough income for the rest of your life, which in many cases is going to be 30 to 40 years in a lot of retirement projections. Now, Sandra, based upon your question, it seems like you're probably in a pretty good position to be able to generate income throughout retirement. I don't know your exact projection. So let's let's make some assumptions that you're not for a minute. Let's make some assumptions that you're not on track after going through that projection. And you're now faced with a dilemma of do I continue to work even though I want to be able to step away and retire and enjoy what we work so hard for? Or do I protect against future spending needs? There's no magic bullet, unfortunately. There's no magic way to solve both. 
what it comes down to is trade-offs. The first trade-off is this, is ask yourself, is retiring early your goal? If so, if being able to step away from your job as soon as possible is your goal, well, are you okay with spending a little bit less than you initially thought you might so that you can do this? Spending less puts less pressure on your portfolio, which means you have to have less money in your portfolio to be able to accomplish the same goals. So that's one option. Retire early, which means you don't work yourself out of the best years of your life, but you spend a low enough amount of money that you have a more sustainable portfolio balance that can be there for you even if needed in your 80s or 90s or beyond. Now, maybe you look at this and say, no, that is absolutely not what I want to do. I don't want to cut my spending at all. I want to spend exactly what I want to spend. Well, great. If that's your goal, then there's a trade-off. You just need to work a little bit longer for that. So maybe it is putting in more years at work. And in doing so, that's more years of saving to your 401ks or your retirement accounts. It's more years of that money compounding for you. And it's fewer years of you spending down that money. So there's a lot of benefits to every additional year of work. Now, maybe it's neither. Maybe you're saying, look, I do not want to work longer. I don't want to cut my living expenses in retirement. Well, there's some other things you can look at as well, some non-traditional aspects of this. Do you move to a lower cost of living state? Do you position your investments differently to maximize the growth if they're not already done so? Do you potentially look at equity in a home and saying, okay, if needed, this will become part of the retirement plan if we run out of our income that can be generated from our current investment accounts? So I'm recommending that we start with this before we even look at longevity, because until we know what your goals are, your priorities, your future expenses that you want to be able to live on, it's hard to tell what the trade-offs may need to be. Because we may look at this and say, Sandra, you you don't even need to make this trade-off. You can both fully fund your initial years of retirement, do everything you want to do, and still be okay for the rest of your life. I mean, you don't need to worry about longevity. You've got sufficient assets and income sources to be just fine forever. But when we also know that, and if we see that, look, you're not quite yet in that position, well, then you can start to understand trade-offs and you can prioritize of the retirement goals that you have in terms of when you retire, how much you're able to spend, what you're able to do at certain points, what legacy you're able to live to family and beyond. You can start to prioritize those and say, okay, what's most important to me? What am I not willing to budge on? What do I absolutely want to make sure gets taken care of? And what are some things that I have some margin with or have some wiggle room with? And I'd be willing to change for the sake of being able to accomplish my first priority here. So when we start with this, that's the best place to start because you can get a real clear sense of what do you want to create? And then you back into where you are today based upon some planning projections to see, am I there? And if not, what changes am I willing to make? What trade-offs am I willing to make? Now, generally speaking, let's just look at some things that could protect against longevity. Now, I'm going to list these as if they're being looked at individually one by one, but in reality, they're not. In reality, all these things tie into each other. But here's some things that you can look to do to protect against longevity if that is your concern. Number one, delay Social Security. So think of Social Security as like an annuity or like a pension where it will pay you for as long as you are living. So the longer you delay Social Security, the more you have to live on your investments and savings today. But that is an income that you will not outlive. So if you live till 90, 100, or 150, number one, congratulations, that's going to be incredible if you live to 150, but number two, you'll have social security, whereas you might not still have a liquid portfolio value if you live that long, but social security would continue paying you just based on what, upon the way it's structured. Number two, you can work longer. 
As we already discussed, the longer you work, the more years of savings you have, the more years of compounding you have, the more years of earnings that you have that will factor into your social security benefit. Likely the more your pension will go up because you'll have another year of service credit for that. It's one fewer year that you'll be spending your portfolio down. Every additional year, every additional month even can play a pretty significant role in terms of how much income could be created when you do retire if you are concerned about longevity. Number three, work part-time. So in financial planning, it's not it's not always black and white. It's not this or that. So often, part-time work has a very profound impact on the longevity that you can expect from your portfolio balance. So in many cases, I'll look at this with clients and we'll look at, okay, do you work, for example, one more year in this high stress but high paying job, or do you step back and work three to five years in a part-time job? Something that you really enjoy doing, but you don't mind it. So it's yes, less income, but you could do it for more years before going crazy. Many times that part-time work is more impactful than one year of a lot more income. So if you can work part-time, what that does again is it puts less pressure on your portfolio to have to generate as much in income those first few years of retirement, which allows your portfolio to continue growing or at least declining less so there is more to protect for you in future years. Number four, you could spend less. So of course, this one's kind of a no-brainer. The less you spend, the less is coming from your investment portfolio, and the less that comes from your investment portfolio, the more that stays in your investment portfolio, which continues growing it or continues preserving it over time. So that one's pretty self-explanatory, but if you want to protect against longevity, spending less is one way to do it. Number five, if you're still working and this is your concern and you don't want to work part-time, you don't want to work longer, you don't want to cut expenses in retirement, we could always look at saving more today. Do you have room to save more to your 401k or to Roth IRAs or to just regular brokerage accounts? Is there more that you can save today? Because the more you put away today while you're working, the more you'll have to create income for you in retirement. The sixth way is through purchasing an annuity. Now, I'm not always the biggest fan of this. In fact, I'm rarely a big fan of this. In my opinion, this is kind of the equivalent to spending less. If you're going to go purchase an annuity somewhere, what you're doing is you're getting guaranteed income. So you're getting guaranteed income for as long as you live, depending on the type of annuity that you purchase, but you're sacrificing how much income you could potentially spend. So in that way, it's kind of the equivalent of spending less. It doesn't always work out that way based upon the math, but what you're doing is you're giving your money to an insurance company. They are paying you an income that you can't outlive, but make sure you're planning for that appropriately. Many of these incomes don't account for inflation. They're not going to rise with inflation. Some do, but in order to do so, they pay you a lesser amount from the get-go So that's one way that you'll hear people talk about, but absolutely do your homework before selecting as an option. Or then number seven, the seventh way you can protect against longevity is have a contingency plan. Do you sell your home if you start to withdraw into your portfolio assets too quickly? Maybe you retire with a bigger home than you'll need forever. Maybe it's a two-story home and at some point you don't want to deal with stairs. Use that as your backup plan. You say, at some point I'll sell this. I'll use it, use the proceeds to buy another home. And then I'll use the remaining equity to live on. So that's an example of a contingency plan. Or do you have a contingency plan to say, look, I'm willing to go back to work for a few years if XYZ happens in the market or if XYZ happens with spending, but place some guardrails around your plan to say, if this scenario happens, then I am willing to do this to compensate for that. Maybe it's going back to work. Maybe it's temporarily cutting spending, something like that. So those are some ways that you can protect against longevity. Now, the goal is to get to a point where you can retire when you want and have enough income left over for later ages. 
Meaning the goal is to say, how can I retire today or retire when I want to retire and spend what I want to spend without sacrificing spending at a later point? So we just looked at ways that you can protect against longevity. Let's now look at a quick list of things that you can do, not just to protect against longevity, but also to maximize the spending you're able to generate while you are retired or while you're preparing for retirement. So there's going to be some overlap here in the sense that these things that we're going to talk about do protect against longevity, but they do more than just that. Well, number one, if you're still working, make sure that you got good savings and you have good growth. So if your portfolio has any bonds, that's that's okay. But just keep in mind, bond interest rates are so low today that there's probably not much growth that's going to come from those over the next several years. Not a prediction, but just looking at it and saying there's a very high chance you're not going to get much growth there. So if you're listening to this, and so Sandra, you're 47, your husband's 54. If you're someone else listening, you've got a ways to go until retirement, really understand what's the right amount to have in bonds today or in cash today. Absolutely have something. You want your emergency fund. You want to have a safety part of your overall financial picture, but maybe consider not having any more than you need to. If you have 10 plus years until you'll need some of these funds, take a real serious look at investing that money in something that's going to give you better growth potential like stocks. Of course, you always have to factor in your own personal risk tolerance when you're looking at something like that, but just some general guidance of if we're trying to get to a point where we can fully live in retirement without sacrificing the good years, one way in which you can do so is maximizing the amount of money you have in your portfolio going into retirement. Number two, the second thing that you can do is make sure that you're managing your portfolio well when you do retire. Refer back to episode 27 if you haven't listened to it already. It talks about how much can I safely spend in retirement. And we walk through, if you structure your portfolio correctly, you can maximize the level of income that it's able to generate while also being assured that that portfolio is going to last for a very long time into the future. And now when I say assured, all this is based upon research that looks at the past time horizons we've had in the market, that looks at past returns. There's absolutely no guarantee with any of this. That's why we put so much focus into it. If there's a guarantee, this would be easy. There isn't. So we can look at research. We can look at what's happened in the past. We can make some good assumptions about the future, and we can continue to revisit this over time. But as episode number 27, we talk about how can you best manage your portfolio to maximize the level of income it can generate while still being pretty reasonably assured that it will continue growing for you and creating income for you over time. Number three, implement a tax strategy to save as much as possible in taxes. Obviously, the more money you save in taxes, the more money you can generate. That money can be used to enjoy the first few years of retirement when you're doing a lot, or it can be used as a safety measure for latter years in retirement when maybe you need income coming in from healthcare or longevity or whatever risk you want to protect against in that regard. Number four, have the right insurance and protection in place. So what's one thing that can blow up any financial plan, whether you're retired or not retired? Well, some catastrophic event. So do you have the right Medicare insurance? Do you know if you need long-term care insurance? And if so, do you have the right coverage? Do you have the right life insurance or health insurance? You know, making sure you have the right insurance in place that again, creates guardrails around your plan and protects against what could go wrong and against those things that could blow up your financial plan. Number five, choose the best social security strategy. So there's different ways of looking at this. So you can look at it from the standpoint of minimizing longevity risk. So how do you protect against the risk of living a long time? Well, maybe you defer your benefit. Do you look at it from the standpoint of how do I use social security to create income earlier on in retirement so my portfolio can keep generating maximum returns for the longest time period possible? That's another approach. Do you look at a staggered social security strategy of one spouse collecting early and another spouse collecting later because of the survivor benefit and the fact that it's a dual 
person decision or a two-person decision, knowing that one spouse typically outlives the other, understanding the right social security strategy that's best for you will help to maximize income both in the early stages and latter stages of retirement. And then number six, look at other things. Look at things like your home, like we talked about. Do you factor that into your retirement strategy? Look at things like potential inheritances from parents, if that's going to play a role in your retirement strategy. Look at retirement expenses as a whole. So episode number 68, we talked about the fact that retirement spending isn't linear. The amount that you're going to start spending in retirement doesn't just simply increase with inflation. We talked about the retirement spending smile, where it starts high, it dips, and then it rises again in the future but really start to make sure that your financial plan and the income that's going to come from it accounts for that. So those are some things, Sandra, as we're looking at question number one of how do we plan for longevity without sacrificing the good years? Those are some broad things that we can look at to protect against that. Now, your second question says, and to quote Sandra's question again, on the 4% rule, it doesn't seem like that rule of thumb accounts for inflation over time. Can you confirm? If not, I worry about the validity of this calculation if you have 40 plus years of retirement ahead of you. Good point. And Sandra, I would worry about the validity of that calculation too, if it did not account for inflation, because what would effectively be happening is you're losing purchasing power. And by the end of retirement, you would effectively be spending 30 to 40 cents on the dollar in terms of purchasing power lost when looking at that spending if it didn't account for inflation. Now, the good news is it does. The 4% rule, the research states that the dollar amount stays the same. So let's say you have a million dollars going into retirement. If you take 4%, that's $40,000 pre-tax it assumes that you inflate that number with inflation. So assume inflation is 3%, that $40,000 per year gets a 3% bump every single year throughout retirement. So it does account for inflation over time. Now that research was done over a 30 year time horizon. So in other words, how do we make sure that this rule of 4% lasts for 30 plus years, regardless of the market conditions? Now, what I prefer to look at for clients, the 4% rule is a great place to start. And it's simple, it's easy to understand, portfolio can generate 4%. But in my opinion, there's a better approach. And this approach is done by someone named John Guyton. And what John Guyton does is he has something called Guyton's guardrails, where what he looks at is how do you preserve the purchasing power portfolio over 40 years? So how do you generate enough income to last for a 40-year retirement? He shows how you can increase initial spending. So the spending your portfolio can initially generate between 5.2 to 5.6%, assuming you have the right portfolio composition. So I'm going to make that very clear. Assuming you have the right portfolio composition, not just any portfolio could do that. But what I like about that is go back to that same million dollars going into retirement. Using the Guyton Guardrails approach, you could generate 52 to 56,000 per year from that portfolio, as opposed to the 40,000 that could be generated just using the 4% rule. What I also like about Guyton's approach is There are raises in that portfolio, not every single year, because it's a more dynamic approach where there's actually rules that you follow. There's four distinct rules that you need to follow. I'll refer you back to episode 27 where we talk about those in more detail. But if you follow those rules, you can actually get raises that exceed inflation over time. Now, there's some years where you don't get an inflation adjustment. If the portfolio is down or the market's down or certain things happen, the rules are going to state do not take an inflation adjustment this year to preserve the portfolio as a whole. But On the whole, over time, it's expected that that will not just increase with inflation, but actually exceed inflation over time. So to answer your question directly, the 4% rule does in fact factor in inflation, which is good news, meaning it factors in maintaining your purchasing power, not just the dollar amount that you're spending. But I prefer looking at something called Guyton's approach because longevity is a big risk and Guyton's approach accounts for longevity by adding an additional 10 years to the research. 
In number two, it talks about or it takes the approach of how do we maximize the income that you can spend both today while still protecting against longevity. So at the end of the day, longevity is absolutely a big risk. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing that people are living longer and they can do more. But from a financial perspective, it is a risk. So this is all about how do we protect against that risk while not neglecting the best years of our life when we first retire and we have the resources, the time, the energy to do what we want to do. Because retirement as a whole is a very new thing. Retirement didn't exist 200 years ago. So retirement as a whole is a new thing. A 40-year retirement is an exceptionally new thing. So ensuring that you're staying on top of research as it changes and evolves and staying on top of your financial plan is absolutely crucial. So Sandra, thank you very much for your question. Thank you to everyone for listening as always, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.